The Start On Demand. On demand. It is indeed something called Blue Monday, hence、mm-hmm. the music, which is not the original version. Behind the glass, Jerry, who does the original version? I can't. This is Orgy, right? This is Orgy. The original version is New Order. New Order, thank you. Jeez, how could I forget that? I actually used to use this music in、uh, the promos I would cut for Charles Adler on this show when I was his technical producer. This was, my, this was the music I used for the fun promos, and then I had music that I would use for the serious promos. So this is the, yeah. Thanks, for, thanks Jerry. That's a bit of a blast from the past for me. How's it going, Greg? It's going really well.、Uh, cold enough to. I don't know, to inspire vacations, but I'm just glad I wasn't in Hawaii over the weekend. What? <laughs> Had enough friends that are there right now and was envious of their vacation until about 10 30 on Saturday morning. How many friends do you have vacationing in Hawaii?、Uh, at least three, if not four, groups of friends that are there that are on their way home today, most of them. Wow. And yeah,、uh, obviously. <laughs> A horrific chain of events behind the scenes that set off this、uh, ballistic missile warning just after 8 a.m. local time on Saturday. And I'm, I'm talking to my buddy, and, and he's like, I said, So, what, well, like, what are you doing? I was making some coffee. He says,、ah, It's got to be a mistake. <laughs> I, I'm talking to him in the middle of it on FaceTime. That's got to be a mistake. Yeah. And he kept his cool, but there were a lot of people that did not keep their cool.、Uh, a lot of people panicked. A lot of people apparently have thought this out. Saw a video of people putting their kids into the storm sewers in Honolulu as a place to take refuge from a potential missile attack. So、uh, I know we're going to play a little bit of audio later on from another one of my friends that was there that, we, that you caught up to on Saturday. And、uh, her, her name is Denise. And And the, the story that she tells、uh, raised the、uh, hair on the back of my neck. Yeah, you、uh, set me up with that. And thank you for that on Saturday when I was here on the news desk.、Uh, got me in touch with a Manitoban family that is, was vacationing on the island of Kauai. And it's certainly not the alerts we're used to. I'm used to getting. Alerts that say extreme cold warning. Like we, we have this morning. Like we have right now.、Uh, just looking at Environment Canada's website, minus 27 at the airport where the wind chill feels like minus 39. So that's what I'm used to getting on my phone. I'm not used to getting an alert that says, hang on, let me just find the, the, the full wording of this. You've probably heard it by now, but in case you haven't, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill in all caps. That, that's frightening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, reports of,、uh, and I've seen、uh, some of the screen captures of people's conversations on text messages amongst their family that maybe were separated at the time.、Uh, one family in particular, I think one woman, she was on the north side. Our kids were on the north side of the island. She was on a different part. Yeah, I pulled this one off of Twitter. This was my phone when I woke up just now. I'm in Honolulu and my family is on the North Shore. They were hiding in the garage. My mom and sister were crying. It was a false alarm, but betting a lot of people are shaken.、Uh, honey, take shelter. I love you. If you're sleeping, wake up and call us immediately.、Uh, lots of people professing their love and affection, and、uh, even reports of people.、Um, 
confessing some of their sins, believing that they were in the last moments of their time on earth and other people completely ignoring the alarm warning. You know, have you ever lived in a large apartment building when the fire or the smoke detector or the fire alarm goes off? That actually happened to me recently. I don't live in a a large apartment building, but I've been there for three years. It's just a three-story walk-up. And the fire alarm went off, and it was the first time that it went off, and I thought, oh, my God. Because occasionally I'll hear a smoke alarm go off. There's somebody who cooks in the building, and I don't know what it is they're cooking, but you'll hear the smoke alarm go off, and then five seconds later it'll go off again. So it's like, you know, they've got the, exactly, they've got the dish towel, they're waving it (laughs) by the smoke alarm, and, uh, but that's the extent of what I've had. But the the fire alarm went off, and and it was everybody, And of course, everyone ran out of the building, right? Well, this was, uh, no, it was a weekday. So it was like a, I was at one thirty in the afternoon or something. So the, the building was somewhat empty, but I kind of I, I got up and I put on a jacket and I grabbed a couple of things and I, I left the apartment in the hopes that it was just a false alarm. And uh, there was a guy downstairs doing, I don't know what he was doing. He was doing some sort of work in the building and he triggered the alarm by accident. So it was just a false alarm. Um, I've lived in some pretty big buildings in in the day, one in Calgary and one here in Winnipeg, and I was always surprised at how lackadaisical people were when it came to those fire alarms going on. And you would expect, you know, that people would be running down the stairs and meet in the lobby and you'd go down. At least I did the first couple of times and it's like you're basically the only one. Because people ignore these things. Do you believe the story that they're giving, that this happened just on a on a shift change and they were testing things and, and boom, this message goes out by mistake? Um, I don't have any reason to suspect otherwise. Yeah, I don't know. a lot of people thinking there's some sort of conspiracy here to de- deflect things that are going on elsewhere it does in the strike, United States. It but. does strike me as odd that it took 38 minutes to send out the... The follow-up note, but if this was in fact a mistake that was made at the end of a shift, I could see somebody terrified to admit or to point <laughs> out. Point. So, but yeah, 38 minutes, given that everyone in the state got the alert, takes a long time. I just want to quickly say hello to someone who I met on Friday night Our old colleague Adam Bernardin, the Adam Bomb, got married to his beloved Larissa Friesen at Fort Gibraltar. I've never been to a wedding there. What a nice place for a wedding. Beautiful spot. And uh, his mom, Marianne, came over and said, hi, I just wanted to come say hi, and uh, we listen to you and Greg every morning, so... I just wanted to say hello there, You're, and congratulations to your family, families, and uh, to your son, Adam, who was a good friend of ours at the radio station. Congratulations, Adam and Larissa. You betcha. Take shelter, there's a missile coming. Oh, wait, there's not. Shadow Davis has more on that. Good morning. You must have heard about this by now, the nuclear missile threat that wasn't in Hawaii happened on Saturday. A push notification was sent out to all phones in Hawaii from the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency that read, Emergency alert, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. All right. Everybody in Hawaii gets that message at the exact same time. What do you think's going to happen? The threat wasn't revoked by push notification for 38 minutes. The agency did send an email after 18 minutes about the alert being a mistake, but... 
It took 38 minutes for the agency to send out another push notification about the threat being a false alarm. There's probably already a movie being written called 38 Minutes in Paradise. In all seriousness, what happened in those 38 minutes? Well, mass panic, right? Highways became jam-packed. Where they were going is anybody's guess. I mean, you're on an island. You're not going to go far. Some people went running for shelter. Some people were seen stuffing their children into sewers to try to keep them safe. Ugh. Buses all stopped. In some parts of the state, emergency sirens were wailing. Listen. All Ironically, they just tested those sirens for the first time since the 1950s at the beginning of December. Can you imagine walking down the street and all of a sudden, wah, wah, wah? I guess being much closer to the Korean Peninsula, Hawaii's been panicked about Kim Jong-un's nuclear missile testing much longer than the continental United States. Over here in North America, we've only just become aware his missiles might now be able to reach us, but for a North Korean ballistic missile to reach Hawaii, experts suggest they're most certainly in range, first of all, and secondly, it would take as little as 12 minutes, 12 minutes for a missile from North Korea to Hawaii. In Washington, just after the panic was over, White House Deputy Press Secretary Lindsey Walters said that the president's been briefed on the state of Hawaii's emergency management exercise. This was purely a state exercise. No, it wasn't a state exercise. It was a mistake. And taking the blame for the mistake, Hawaii Emergency Operations Manager Vern Miyagi. It's my responsibility, so this would be my fault. Uh, we'll take action to, do, to prevent this from ever happening again. But again, let me finish the investigation. This is off my fault, and we'll work on so that this doesn't have, ever happen. Way to step up, Mr. Miyagi. It wasn't Miyagi who was responsible for pushing the button, but he was taking the heat, saying later, this guy, the employee, feels bad, right? He's not doing this on purpose. It was a mistake on his part, and he feels terrible about it. Miyagi is a retired Army Major General. He said the employee would be counseled and drilled, so this never happens again, but he didn't say whether there would be disciplinary measures. Rather than triggering a test of the system, it went into actual event mode. Miyagi confirmed that to trigger the alert, there is a two-step process involving only one person who both triggers the alarm and then also confirms it. He said there's a screen that says, are you sure you want to do this? I guess kind of like installing a new program on your computer. The employee said, hell yeah, and pushed the button, inadvertently causing a panic. We haven't yet heard if anybody was hurt in that panic. There is no news about that yet. So what would you do if you got a message like that on your phone? Nuclear missile incoming. This is not a test. Take cover. How would you feel? Who would you call? I think I'd text Lisa, my son, and try to get in one more game on NHL 18. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if there's a missile coming, you haven't got super speed, you can't run away, you can't fly, what are you going to do? Go out with dignity, baby. I'm Greg, he's Brett. It is the Shadow Davis Show on this Monday morning. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, what a comeback yesterday. Sports at the, uh, you know, really at the lead of a lot of conversations over the next few days, Brett, uh, with uh, the Jets playing over the weekend. They lost Friday and Saturday in Chicago and Minnesota, respectively. But uh, sports, a big thing of, uh, you know, big part of what people will be talking about today. Yeah, if you happen to be listening to this radio station as you're on your way back 
from Minnesota this morning. Uh, feel free to shoot us a text at 204-780-6868 or reach out to us. Uh, you can email for if you're a passenger, of course, listening to this radio station. My email address is brett at cjob.com. His is gmac at cjob.com. We'd like to hear from some folks who went down to Minnesota to see the football game, and we're going to reach out to one of our very own friends who was at the game, see if he wants to join us a little bit later this morning. Two Manitobans have made the team Canada men's Olympic hockey team. Che Genoway from Morden and Quinton Howden from Oakbank, Manitoba have made the team. 680 CGOB's Kelly Moore just got off the phone with Quinton Howden. Pleased to be joined by Quinton Howden of Oakbank, Manitoba by way of Minsk, Belarus and uh, Quentin, uh, first off, uh, congratulations on being named to the Canadian men's Olympic hockey team. Uh, it, it's been a few days now. Has it finally had a chance to sink in? Um, it probably should have, but no, it, it really hasn't. Um, you know, obviously getting a couple of emails here from Hockey Town and stuff, it's kind of sets in a little bit and kind of gives me uh, a bit of chills, but um, yeah, it still kind of feels surreal. Well, let's go back to late last week when the team was announced. How did you find out, and, and what was it before the announcement, a, a day or two? Uh, how long did you have to keep it a secret? Yeah, it was the day before. Um, actually, what Hockey Canada did was, um, obviously, as my brother just winning the World Juniors, um, you know, they just were with him and saw him. So they called him, and they got on a conference call with him, and so basically he called me and just asked me what's up, what I was doing and stuff, and asked if I'd heard anything, and I said no, and then, uh, yeah, they were on the line too, so pretty special moment for me. I can't imagine how that must have felt. How long did it take you to uh, for that to register, or do you think maybe Brett was playing a little bit of a, ga- a gag on you? Yeah, I mean, he's like, yeah, apparently, yeah, he's like, you made it. And I was like, yeah, okay, what... Uh, how do you know this? And so then, uh, you know, they started talking and, um, yeah, I think I went quiet for quite a while. (laughs) It it was quite the process for Hockey Canada to uh, select the team. How many of the uh, pre-selection events did you play in, Quentin? Because, of course, you're you're also playing Uh, in the KHL. Yeah, I went to two of them. And where where were, which uh, tournaments were those? I went to the one in Switzerland and Finland, and then I went to the other one in Russia, uh, in so, Moscow. Right, yeah. It must be a nerve-wracking process, but then it's not, I guess it's it's all part of being a hockey player. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're used to this. I've kind of been through, uh, you know, training camps and stuff like that before. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you always hope for it, and, you know, there's either some high sides or downsides to it, but, um, you know, to get that call and um, to, to have the honor to wear the Maple Leafs is uh, something that I really can't put in the words. After you had finished playing in those events, Quentin, where was your confidence level that you would make the team? I mean, you never know, right? There's so many players. I mean, you look at uh, across all the leagues in Europe and the AHL players and stuff, there's, there's a ton of guys. So, um, you know, both camps I went to, uh, both camps had a lot of different faces. So, um, 
know, you really don't know. You, you try to play your best and hope for the best. And um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm very honored. Right. Now, we're roughly four weeks away from the start of the Olympics. Uh, what does your schedule look like between now and then? I would imagine uh, uh, Canada will want to get a few practices in before you play Switzerland. Yeah, I think we. Uh, we're just, I think we're. I'm just getting emails uh, right about now for the schedule and stuff. But uh, my team plays up till um, the end of January, so I'll finish the the first half of the year here, and then uh, I think we meet in Riga for some exhibition games or something like that. That's 680 CJOB's Kelly Moore speaking with Quinton Howden, who will be competing in Pyeongchang, South Korea, as a member of Team Canada's men's Olympic hockey team, Quinton Howden from Oak Bank. Are you buddies with uh, Quinton Howden? I heard him mention my name in there. Yeah, Kelly mentioned his name as well, but no. Uh, Brett Howden is Quinton's younger brother, plays for the Moose Jaw Warriors of the World Hockey. World Hockey, gee whiz, I'm going back. The Western <laughs> Were you going to say the World Hockey Association? <laughs> <laughs> in the WHL, in the Western Hockey League, Moose Jaw Warriors, he, of course, represented Canada at the World Junior Hockey Championships uh, just uh, earlier this month and is a draft choice of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, no, the... Brett McGarry was not playing tricks on Quinton Howden, nor was uh, Brett Howden, Quinton's younger brother. Congratulations to Chade Getaway, uh, Getaway and Quinton Howden for being named to Canada's men's Olympic hockey team. It's very exciting for them. On the Shadow Davis Show on CJOB. Over the weekend, several of us were out and about at MTC, sold out production of Come From Away. We'll tell you what we thought about that just after 7 o'clock. But before the show, there was the challenge of finding parking in and around the Royal Manitoba uh, Theatre Centre and also, of course, the Centennial Concert Hall and the, and the museum is right there as well. And uh, once you found a spot... How did you pay for it? That was an issue as well because some of the machines didn't take the type of change you had or the credit card readers weren't working. Today we're having coffee talking about parking inconsistencies throughout the city. And uh, Brett, maybe we'll go to you first because you and I had a fairly similar uh, experience. I think we may have ended up in the same parking lot. I was lucky enough to have the proper change to pay for, I think it was only $4 for the evening. Uh, You had more than enough change, but not in the right denominations. Yeah, the first lot that I found, well, the first lot that I drove into is right beside the Royal MTC. It's on market, and I've parked there before. I parked there when I went to see Phantom of the Opera at Centennial Concert Hall. It was a pretty penny. I think it was 14 bucks or something that night, but I, it was cold. I was prepared to just pay the cash uh, rather than drive around trying to find a street parking spot, because just to, to, to stop the proceedings for a second, it is free parking, and there's no time limit on Sunday. Is that correct, downtown? That's, that's correct. Yes. Okay, so I... I did a quick look, didn't see a street spot, just said, I'll just park in this lot and get it over with. Well, that lot was full because everyone else had the same idea. <laughs> so I had to go driving around and I found a lot on Bannatine, so one street over. And it's the lot, I guess it's right beside the the CN building. I think there's a CN building there. I'll take your word for it. Uh, right in between uh, Waterfront and and Portage, basically on the left hand side. Yeah, it's yeah. just uh, just shy of uh, Portage or of Main Street. Yeah, on uh, at Bannatine, there's a little lot or Main there. Main, yeah, yeah. And uh, and it was six bucks. I thought, okay, no problem. And then I walked up to the the machine and realized, oh, it only takes loonies and quarters. So I had six dollars on me, but two of the coins I had were toonies. 
So I came prepared to maybe have to use change, but I thought for sure they would take toonies or I or would take a credit card. No, it just was this old machine that was probably 30 years old and only took loonies and quarters. So I had to go park in uh, like a high rise on McDermott that cost 14 bucks in the end. <laughs> <laughs> and all, and it cost your time too. Yeah, there you know we spent ten minutes looking for a parking spot, so that was a pain. It was a pain. I mean, it's great that all these venues are busy, and it's terrific to see people going out, even when it's minus twenty five or minus thirty, not being deterred by the weather at all. But there's, I think, a genuine shortage of parking in this area. Where they want people to come, and Jack even said, "You know, this is kind of why I don't come down here." It's like you finally decide to come down, and it's a pain in the neck to find a parking spot. I'm looking at two champions for using the transit service, and I'm whenever I go downtown, I if if I'm by myself, I'm always gonna take the bus, always. I would. I have no problem taking the bus, uh, but my friend who I had to pick up lives in, in a spot where take where transit would have been awkward. okay. Yeah, gotcha. So, so yeah. that and certainly in that cold, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm a I, I like to promote taking the bus as well, but when it's as cold as it was yesterday, no thanks. Not a chance. No, yeah. Yeah. forget it. Like, do you, do you like? I don't typically have a problem going to. Jets games or Moose games, and I'll pay the freight. I have no problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to park in the library, <laughs> pay my 14, 15 bucks, and stay warm and uh, stay in the creature comforts of the of the underground parking and also the skywalk system, which is great. You don't even have to go outside. You leave your car or you leave your jacket in the car, and it's great. But in and around the theater district, there's no no real indoor parking unless you get lucky enough at their concert hall or maybe you go sport for Life Center, but then you got to go back outside. Yeah, I, I, I went on Friday night to see Come From Away. I'm not going to take my car. I'm not going to drive there. I'm oh, not so gonna, we're crazy. I'm not, well, no, but I, I don't want to put that stress on myself. I don't want to be panicking, driving around. Oh, my goodness, I can't find a spot. And, oh, my goodness, I, I don't have the right type of, of money or I don't have a credit card to pay for this. And, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be late. So I just took the bus. It was For me, it was just one bus to get, down, to get downtown. Super easy. It practically takes me right there. The only problem was I... I just missed the bus, I guess, coming home. So I had to wait 25 minutes mm. out in the cold. But the thing is, the people going going and taking their vehicles, they probably had to wait bef- to get out. They had to wait for other people to leave first. And then going in, you had to wait. I saw a lineup of at least a dozen people paying at one, one parking uh, lot there. So, I mean, that's extra time in the cold, and that's extra time you're wasting. Yeah, but the 25 minutes that you had to wait in the bus, was it? did you at least get to wait in a heated shack, or could it you was, wait in the, the MTC, or where did you uh, have to wait? No, I, I think it was a heated shack. It was the one like that's like on on Main there, the yeah. big one at James. So I think, I believe yeah. that one's heated. It wasn't It wasn't all that terrible. It was just boring. It that's wasn't all. heated. You remembered. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but it's a w, double-edged sword, right, Kelly? We want all these great things to come to Winnipeg. We want these facilities to be busy, uh, but we also, like, I don't want to park right on the stage. I'm not expecting to drive right into the theater, but I'd like to be able to park at least within a, a decent distance. Uh, well, I, I, and I had forgotten about the, uh, the park aid at the New Sport for Life building. So there is that option as well. Now there's a little bit of a walk involved, you know, from Pacific over to, but it's not that far. In that cold, it might be a little bit uncomfortable, but you know what? Throw a toque and a scarf on and you're good to go. 
Much ado about nothing, Jeff Braun? I usually get to things really early. So, like, I went to a play at MTC last fall, and we were among the first people there. So we got the good spot right beside the building. Nice. Smart. And, yes, and didn't really have to wait that long to pay for it. So well, that worked the, out just fine. The biggest parking lot in the exchange is that parking lot just north of the museum. It's on uh, Rupert and, and Main Street. and must have 100 parking stalls. Well, nobody was parking there when we went Friday night because... It only takes credit cards, and the credit card reader wasn't working. Yeah. And, and in the evening, it's a flat rate of 17 bucks. <laughs> outdoors. Wow. Holy. Outdoors. So. There should be, Ouch. Uh, you know, like uniform pricing. There should also be uniform ways to pay for it. Yes. And when these things are broken, then it should be free. What a novel concept. Yeah. The (laughs) the inconsistencies are frustrating. What about the, uh, because there's also the lot for the, for the gold eyes game. That's just off of waterfront as well. That wouldn't be that long of a walk. No, from there. not, not it, too yeah. bad. Not yeah. too bad at all. Speak for yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I can say I think it's a great problem to have, but I think uh, Shan Lee brings out a great point: the consistencies and and how you can pay and how you should be expected yeah. to be able to pay. Because there's nothing worse. You find a spot and then you go to pay to park, and it's like, oh, it doesn't accept credit cards, or yeah. the credit card thing or, is not working, yeah. or you need loonies instead. Instead of toonies or like, you know, charging by pennies now. See, like, see, just let me know what I'm getting into. Just let me know in advance how I can pay if right. I need exact change or if it only takes credit cards only and what, you know, so let me know that information and then I can make my informed decision. So like if we just had one kind of uniform method, that would be just amazing. I was really frustrated because I I thought about it. Right before I left, I thought, do I need to go grab a bunch of loonies? Ah, Okay, yep. It's 2018. This won't be a problem. And sure enough, I needed. I wish I had grabbed six loonies. And, and toonies, they, they've been around since 1996. Yeah, exactly. They're not wake brand up. new. Yeah, wake up there, uh, Empire. Here's an idea. All the parking lots, all the parking stalls, like with the meters, everything takes a pago card. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Everyone in the city gets a pago card, loads it up. They can take the bus. Park so for bar- anywhere bus in Winnipeg. Parking. Hey, you know what? The meter parking, I have the app on my phone for the meter parking, so I never have to put money in a meter again. It is fantastic. All the meters are numbered. It's a really cool way to go. Yeah, Mike but for said, the Imperial parking lots, though, you couldn't use that. No, I know, but they need to, you know, like, it, yeah. instead of feeling like you're being entrapped and, like, that they're waiting for you to mess something up, let's, let's get it together out there. Welcome to the friends who have come from away. Welcome to the locals who have always said they'd stay If you're coming from Toledo or you're coming from Taipei Because we come from everywhere we all come from away Welcome to the rock Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling, Shanalee Vidal The three of us were lucky enough to see Royal MTC's sold-out production of Come From Away over the weekend If you're not familiar with this show, it is a musical about the 38 planes that were diverted to Gander, Newfoundland in the aftermath of 9-11. It's nominated for a Grammy. It has won a Tony Award. It is getting rave reviews on Broadway and basically across the continent. And we'll start with you, Shanley Vidal. You saw it Friday night. You have been excited about this for months now. I first heard about this through you mm-hmm. that it's coming to Winnipeg. Yeah, I, I was I actually it was uh, Kim Lawson here who told me about it because she was in New York and this was playing on Broadway and she decided not to see it there because she knew that MTC was putting it on and she said it was this new musical. So I looked into it and thought, oh, this looks really, really good. And so 
I was I was a little worried that I, that it wasn't going to affect me because I had been listening to the music already. I I, I got the um, album on Spotify, and there were there were tears by the end of it. I was it was I'm one of those people who shouldn't cry because I had such a migraine all weekend from crying at that at that show. I was not functionable, and then I'd start thinking about certain parts and certain characters, and it's it's not necessarily what you. The parts maybe pe- other people might be crying about. Then I would like start start to cry because it it really shows you humanity. And I think um, what surprised me the most, and I wasn't expecting, is like you you know I don't want to divulge too much about it, but we're we're really getting an insight to how like especially those people on the planes how they felt and and the fear that that they were feeling and and. And, and the, the, the things that they were feeling about each other. Well, I was amazed at how they were able to convey this gigantic story that involved 6,000 people converging on this uh, community uh, that was basically the same size. And they almost doubled the population of Gander. And how do you convey that? With, you know, a dozen to 16 actors. And, well, they play multiple roles. And as you say, uh, Shanalee, uh, the tears were flowing. And not because it's a sad story. It's a very inspiring story. It's just emotion-inducing. The way they tell the yes. stories. The music is very powerful. It gets right into your soul. And it's impossible to break away from that feeling that they set the tone right from the very beginning. And there are only a couple of different places for a Plus. No, no, it's true. Because right? at the beginning, at the end, and in the middle, and there is no intermission. None. And I think that really strengthened it. It really brought you inside to, to the musical. And and I've heard people say that this production, this is the first Canadian production of Come From Way, by the way, it's it was better than Broadway. And I've heard that as well. In particular, the gentleman that plays the mayor of Gander and a couple of other uh, roles in the in the play is getting rave reviews. Personally, it was Eliza Jane Scott who played uh, Beverly Bass, who we interviewed on the program on Friday. Who is the we spoke to the real life Beverly Bass, who uh, American Airlines pilot. Her role is quite pivotal in 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 terms of telling the story. But but Brett, I warned you that you're gonna you know probably have to take some tissue or... No, you didn't warn me. I asked you. <laughs> I, I knew I, I didn't need a warning. I asked you how much did you cry? Uh, yeah, okay. And you said there was a, it was a slight leakage the whole time. Yeah, there was, it was more of a leakage. The like entire... a consistent leakage. Did you yeah. cry, Brett? Well, yeah, I knew I would. I was fully prepared for that. I was, I, and yet I still was surprised by just how much, uh, how many tears were flowing because it, as Greg pointed out, it's, it's the emotion that it makes you feel. It's uh, this weird combination of joy, you know, with that opening number with all these charming Newfoundlanders singing about welcome to the rock. Uh, so the, it, it taps into kind of patriotism. It taps into just this the joy that these people can express through their song and their their personalities. And then there's sadness, uh, moments of sadness. Uh, there's it was touching, uh, just the, the the hospitality that was on display. Uh, the fact that they just jumped in. These people of Gander jumped into action to help all of these strangers. Um, you know, it was. Incredible. And I, I found uh, an article here on globalnews.ca from a few months back talking about this show. And there's a, a quote here from New York Times chief theater critic Ben Brantley, who says, Try if you must 
to resist the gale of goodwill that blows out of Come From Away, the big bear hug of a musical. Even the most stalwart cynics may have trouble staying dry-eyed during this portrait of heroic hospitality under extraordinary pressure. And it was funny because I think the guy beside me, we were in competition to see who could cry more uh, because I kept hearing him sniffling away and I kept having to blow my nose because every time I thought I had gotten it under control, something else would happen that, and suddenly I'd be tears streaming down my face again. It's just incredible. If you tried to get tickets and failed, I'm sorry, uh, you really are missing out. You, you can get a flight to Toronto because that's where it's headed to next. Yeah, well, we saw that and uh, still continue to see people traveling all over North America to see Jets games. And some mm-hmm. people will say, well, it's easier to get tickets to go and see them in Tampa or Florida or or even Las Vegas than it is to see them here. And that's sort of the case with this play. I have seen them listed on Kijiji, but if you have friends with Royal MTC subscriptions that maybe uh, have bought multiple tickets, beg them. Beg them it, to it, go. It, and I think this really speaks so much about our great art scene here. And like sure it this does. having this, this is like that this is something you'd see on Broadway or even like we've said could be even better than Broadway. Like it was just such a such a quality production. Incredible the the acting and the chemistry that they had. Just it was just incredible, and it's definitely one of the the best productions of of anything on stage I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of a lot of things on stage. Yeah. Well, will this encourage you to investigate and make sure you have tickets to things ahead of time, Brett? Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, because Shanalee told us, Kim Lawson told us, we knew this was coming, and we didn't buy tickets initially. Luckily, we were able to get our hands on tickets anyway, despite our procrastination. And, and, uh, but yes, you get buy stuff ahead of time. And, and, and you know, and, and it's, look, we have all these hidden gems right here in our own backyard. Oh, without question. Yeah. And, and and I have a feeling this is going to do what Royal MTC is hoping that it will do. Not only highlight the quality of theater that comes to Winnipeg, but also enforce that idea of either having a season ticket subscription and being very well aware of what's coming and getting out ahead of it. Whether you're a regular theater goer or not, I think it's going to have a lot of us thinking twice about, yeah, I got to make sure I, I, I see that. I, I just, I can't say enough about this production fantastic <laughs> it was and you know my my favorite character was uh was was Beulah and she yeah she was she was like probably one of the person the people who was helping with the food with everything just she just did so much at the school there and then that actress also played a woman on the plane well I have to ask you does this make you want to go to Newfoundland Oh, yeah. I right. wanted to go to the oh, Maritimes yeah. for... I think a lot it's, of people have, and, right? And, and I've been wanting to go for a while, but it's funny because in the play, he's talking about how to get out of Gander and, you know, by by boat. And it's like, okay, 10 hours here, 8 hours here. And it's the only problem is it's it's difficult to get around. And, and, and that kind of reminded me of that because it's so it's so isolated. It costs a lot of money to travel to the Maritimes. That's always that's been always one of the unfortunate deterrents uh, to keep me from going there. Is it? It is a pretty penny to go. The but other three it is are, on my list. The other three are accessible, uh, but Newfoundland, it's it's a bit more of a, a cost, a bit more time. Yeah, you, you really you, you need to. A bit more of an investment. Mackling McGarry in the morning, it is the Shadow Davis Show. That's behind the glass. Jerry pumping out the tunes. 
The reason Jerry was playing that Hawaiian music is because by now you've heard of this, the emergency alert that mistakenly warned of an inbound ballistic missile on the weekend showed that many Hawaiian uh, residents don't know what they're supposed to do if it was a real situation. Saturday's human blunder that caused more than a million people statewide to fear they were about to be hit by a nuclear missile is feeding skepticism about the government's ability to keep them informed in a real emergency. That wasn't just Manitoba, or pardon me, Hawaiians that were affected by this. Dozens of tourists, clearly, lots of those from Manitoba, uh, including a friend of mine, Denise, who Brett spoke with on Saturday, vacationing on the island of Kauai, who was there during the false alarm. Here's some of that conversation. So, uh, regular morning, like any other morning, uh, son was in the living room watching cartoons, and then um, alarms started popping up on our cell phones, and then... You know that warning that you get, like if there's bad thunderstorms or that sort of thing in Manitoba, that popped up on the screen, except the warning was for a nuclear attack. Those aren't the nuclear missile attack. I thought, okay, well, I know since November they've been putting things out there just for preparedness. So I read it, but then it said, you know, this is not a test. And then my husband was in the other room and I said, Lee, come here, read this. And it kept on saying, this is not a test. This is not a test. You have Did it say you had 15 minutes to prepare? I can't remember. But an instant warning of missile attack. So being from Manitoba, we haven't seen anything like that before. And uh, we were were very surprised. So we got our son and we kind of went through what we would do in the event of a tornado. And so we went into um, our bathroom. We sheltered ourselves in there. We brought our electronics in there. We brought some towels. We bought some water supplies. And we hunkered down and then we started going online to see if there was any further communications. I tried calling 911. The lines were jammed. Um, so we just, we hunkered there until the, the warning came up indicating that um, it was a false alarm. So did you... But it was about a half an hour, yeah. Was there ever any doubt in your mind that, that this was actually happening? No, I was, when it happened, like the first, I had tears in my eyes because the first thing I did is I looked at my son and it was basically like, what do we do? And so I felt very helpless. I felt very scared. I was in shock. Um, And so we we did the best we could with um, the knowledge we have of nuclear attacks and the resources that we have on hand being that we're tourists and in a a foreign country, be it the U.S., but a foreign country nonetheless, um, we did the best we could to to kind of get into survival mode. I felt it was very real, and I was very scared. And I think as a whole, we were we were very concerned for our well-being. The, uh, the accommodations, or what kind of accommodations uh, are you staying in right now? Could you hear other people nearby maybe panicking? No, there there was no no sense of, of panic. I don't feel on the resort. Um, we looked outside, and there were there were people walking around. Um, when we went on Facebook, though, kind of locally to see what people on the island were communicating, everyone was in the same shock and in questioning that we were. They were posting up the the notifications they got on their phone and saying like, "What's going on? What's happening?" So. Um, it just happened very suddenly and something that no one was prepared for. How did you learn it was a false alarm? Did you get an alert for that? Yeah, you get the same alert you do. Um, it's the exact same alert, but at the end of it, it says false alarm. Okay. 
And then in addition to that, there was a false alarm notification on our cell phones. And then the the head of, I I don't know if it's disaster security or someone of that nature on the island um, sent an official Facebook post indicating that this was was it his Twitter account, uh, indicating that this was a false alarm. And I just see that uh, Hawaii's governor as well is saying that an employee pushed the wrong button. I guess we all make really? mistakes. I guess we all make mistakes at work, but uh, when it when it sends you and your family into the bathtub, uh, that's kind of uh, that's kind of scary. Well, it is scary. And then even after the false alarm was over and we received a notification, I'm like, well, is this for real, for real, or is this just what they're doing to to calm us down? Like, should we stay in our room? Like, I for many hours afterwards, I, there was still a lot of apprehension to to go outside. <laughs> That was uh, Denise uh, with her husband, Lee, in the background there. They were in Hawaii. They got home late last night. And I was on the phone, FaceTime, actually, with uh, another friend of mine in Hawaii while this was kind of going down. And he was just kind of making coffee. And he said, nah, he says, there's nothing going on outside. He looked at some of the other news websites. He says, there's nothing else other than this warning on the TV. Of course, they did the warning with the red ribbon across that there's an emergency, much like we get with a tornado warning or similar here in Manitoba. I think Denise mentioned that. And, but he said, because he didn't see it on any other sort of media, he felt confident that there was nothing going on. He says, what am I going to do anyway? So I says, I, I just made uh, another pot of coffee. <laughs> well, he's right. If a nuclear missile is inbound, what can you do? What can you do? I said, well, where was your daughter? Well, she was sleeping. Just like maybe climb into bed with her and maybe kind of, you know, cuddle with her a little bit and just wait for the inevitable. Nah, he says, making coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so we all handle these things much differently. And I saw a video of people putting their kids in the storm sewers in Honolulu as uh, thinking that that might be a place to hide. So clearly more conversations need to be had on what the appropriate course of action is in an emergency like that. There's been a version of this scam around for a little while, but police are warning you about a type of scam that you may not be familiar with. Here's Shadow Davis to explain. Good morning. Winnipeg police have released a warning about a scam called virtual kidnapping. Ooh, what's that? This scam's been around for a number of years. The FBI says two decades at least, but it's hit Winnipeg a couple of times in just the last week. Usually, when we hear about something like this, we say to ourselves, yeah, yeah, they'll never get me, I'm too smart for that. Are we? Are we really? The FBI has a warning about this scam on their website. You'll receive a phone call about a close friend or family member who's traveling out of the country and has been taken hostage. You are then made to believe this person is being threatened with violence or even death, but for a small fee, they'll let your loved one go. The diabolical part is the scammer is aware of your loved one being out of the country. The scam is that no one's been kidnapped, but victims are threatened and coerced to believe they have been and quickly cough up the cash. The two reports Winnipeg police received were from January 9th and 10th. Officers said in both cases the victim wired funds to an out-of-country area code. The amount sent were less than $5,000. 
Here's a recent report from CBS News Los Angeles about a mom and her daughter who were targeted. I believed him. I, I truly believed him. Still worried for their safety, this mother and daughter agreed to talk with us if we didn't share their names. How much money you can pay right now by yourself so we can make your brother go? And he said, lady, this is the deal. I have your brother. He told me that he hit him over the head and he was bleeding out. The apparent kidnapper then demanded thousands of dollars through a wire transfer to return him safely. When my brother came back, if I don't got no answer, my brother gonna shoot this guy. Mom is doing most of the talking while her daughter records the call. You think this is a fing joke? You think this is a fing joke? Because I can bring your brother right now and we can shoot him in the left. I remember specifically saying to her, I will never forgive you if you hang up the phone. Like I I was honestly scared for my uncle's life if she would have hung up the phone. Now, the call you just heard there apparently wasn't even that bad. The FBI says some actually contain screaming and begging for mercy, and they also suggest this is becoming a huge problem all over the United States, and clearly it's becoming a thing up here as well. Up until a couple of years ago, it was pretty much only California and Texas, but it is spreading fast. The FBI also says these calls come mostly from Mexico and are cartel-related. Here's Special Agent Eric Arbuthnot, a kidnapping specialist with the FBI. Some of these criminal groups in Mexico do claim to be members of a cartel, and they use the reputation of the cartel to make it even seem that much more believable. Okay, so what do these scammers do to get the information they need to make you pay? Yes, that's right. They check out your social media, because on your social media, they can see that your daughter, your son, nephew, wife, husband, or whomever is away on a trip to wherever, and they use that information against you. They also say, and this is a good one, if you try to call or text whoever they're holding, they will kill them right there and then. Fairly frightening and totally diabolical, right? So don't advertise. If you're planning a trip to a tropical paradise, don't advertise it on social media. I know, I know, I know. You want to show everybody how beautiful it is on the beach. I've done it myself, but you could be setting your family up for a pretty stressful time that could cost a few thousand dollars. Winnipeg police are asking people targeted with this scam to call them at 204-986-6222 or report it to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Center. Just like something right out of a TV show or a movie, but it's real, people. Back to Mackling and McGarry. Thank you, Shadow. And yeah, I, I mentioned that this is a version of a scam that's been going on for a while. I know people who got a phone call that said, yeah, your grandson is in prison and you need to wire us X amount of money. Really? Yes. And how did that go? Uh, well, they knew that that this that their grandson was at home okay. at the time. But uh, yeah, so they've been trying variations of this scam for a while. This one uh, seems to be, I think, Shadow used the word diabolical, mm -hmm. where they're talking about killing the person and that they've been kidnapped. That's one thing to be wiring money because they're in prison, another because they're kin kidnapped. That's taking things to an entirely different level. Another scam that you and I have been trying to work into the conversation probably for about nine days now, Brett. Yeah, so the headline is Don't Call Back. Those numbers, Toronto Woman warns others of callback phone scam. And this is an article that was uh, posted to globalnews.ca back on January 5th. And we, as Greg mentioned, we've been looking for a way to sneak this in. And basically what it is, is you probably, if you have a cell phone, you probably get phone calls at some point that's from an unknown long distance number. And you might even answer it. And then there's nothing there. 
and often there's, or typically there's no voicemail, and the gist is they want you to call back. And I have done this, where I've actually written down the phone number or just looked at my call log and, and called it back, and thankfully nothing happened. Now I usually just Google the number to see if it's, because sometimes it's like Roger's. Right. Trying to get a hold of me. Right, right. And so what's happening is people are trying to get in touch with you legitimately. And uh, I, I, I've stopped answering my cell phone. If you don't leave me a message, I, I'm not calling you back. Unless I know exactly who it is, I'm not picking up the phone. And uh, Sharon Leamy says she's, she received as many as 15 phone calls a day from international phone numbers, all part of a callback scam commonly known as Wangiri fraud. Sure. Yeah, it started December 16th, she said. I started getting calls from strange numbers that I didn't identify, and they were just constant, she said. I would block them, and as soon as I blocked them, I would get a new call from a different country. And she says the calls became so frequent, she thought the only way to stop them was to call back and have them remove her number. She called the number thinking I could get them to take take them off this calling list. And there was a woman speaking very softly, almost in an apologetic tone, in a foreign language. She kept talking and talking and talking, and I realized at that point this was a scam. She called her phone company, and they informed her that she had been charged $10 for a 10-second phone call. Even Bell and Rogers have sent out text messages and tweeted about these scams. Bell says, uh, if you receive a call from an unknown international number that immediately disconnects, please don't call the number back. It could be part of what's known as the Wangiri fraud. It's W-A-N-G-I-R-I. I don't think it matters what you call it. It's uh, a, it's a scam to try and get more get money out of your pocket that people are not entitled to. And uh, Rogers also sent out a, almost the exact same tweet. One, two, three. Shanley Vidal is here. Three things with Shanley Vidal. And today, three things you may have missed over the weekend. Celebrity edition. Hi. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Greg. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, SLV. What have you got uh, cooked up for us today? Well, our our first one, it's Margaret Atwood. She was very busy on Twitter yesterday morning. She sent out uh, more than 30 tweets defending an an op-ed article that she posted over the weekend, uh, and she wa- where she wondered if she was a bad fem- feminist for questioning the tactics of the Me Too movement. So in the piece published Saturday in the Globe and Mail, uh, she called the Me Too movement a, quote, symptom of a broken legal system. And so, of course, the op-ed drew sharp criticism from uh, some observers, and some were angered by what they saw as a betrayal of feminist values by an author that has long been interested in examining and questioning power structural structures that subjugate women. Of course, Margaret Atwood she wrote The Handmaid's Tale, and uh, which then became the uh, just wonderful, wonderful TV series. Right. And she wrote in the piece that women are increasingly using online channels to make accusations of sexual misconduct because the legal system is often ineffective. But she expressed misgivings about the movement going too far, writing of the dangers of, quote, vigilante justice, which she said can turn into a, quote, culturally solidified lynch mob habit. Well, you know what? And maybe the next thing you're going to tell us about, maybe 
An example of that. I don't know how you feel about it. I've read the complaint about the individual you're going to talk about in a moment. I've I've also heard his retort to it, and I've had conversations online with people, and this may be an example of this in my mind. I'm not putting words in your mouth in any way, Shanalee. So let's, yeah, let's just go to num- number two then, and uh, I'll tell you the story. So another person uh, in Hollywood has been accused of sexual misconduct. This time it was comedian Az- Aziz Ansari. Let's say you pronounce his name. Aziz Ansari, you are correct. He is uh, from Master of None on That's Netflix. R- uh, and he just picked up a Golden Globe, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, he sure did. So anyways, as I said, he has been accused of sexual misconduct. The woman identified as a 23-year-old photographer in an interview with the website Babe.net said she went on a date with him last year. I see see the look on your face, Greg. You're, you're... Well, I'm always on Babe, not .net. <laughs> uh, Oh, I've never even heard of this I, website I've, before. Very I've reputable. Never heard of it either. Uh, yeah, news source. Anyway, so, I, once again, I'm trying to. So she she dated the guy. She went on one date with him, and uh, I guess they bonded over maybe because uh, she's a photographer and he had a camera, and they bonded and they decided to go on a date. She called it the worst experience with a man she's ever had, and then she described in detail Ansari's attempts to get intimate with her using, despite using her her using verbal and nonverbal cues to indicate how uncomfortable and distressed she was. And the next day, the woman texted Ansari, letting him know that she was upset with his behavior that night. And in a statement released Sunday, Ansari said he apologized last year when she told him about her discomfort during the encounter and uh, in his apartment. And he believed it was all consensual. Yeah, it's uh, I'm still sort of stuck on the Adwood thing. I am having a hard time kind of wrapping my head around how... She just makes her comments. She puts her opinions out there, and then gets under you. You you get attacked, and it's almost like you can't say anything that remotely even not even challenges. She's just you know she's calling it into question, and she's putting her uh, thoughts into motion, and uh, she gets attacked, and she's like kind of the champion of all this. I would think. And, and, at least. I, and I think the thing with that, Brett, is too like in this day and age we live in, with uh, you know everyone has access to. Uh, voice their opinion, right? Sure, access to a keyboard, some so, sort of social media. Exactly. Of so, so I think anytime someone has an opinion about anything, um, there's always going to be people getting up and saying, "Well, I don't agree with that," or I, "I agree with that," right? So, I mean, chances are there was probably also a lot of people saying that they agreed with Margaret Atwood. I, I started reading the uh, her op-ed piece. It's it's a lot to digest. So it is. I'm you not, have to read it three or four so times. Not, even. So I can't even read it this morning because I don't have the time to to digest it right <laughs> yeah, there's, now. There's but, a lot there, but. I think we're just seeing it so often now just because people have that platform to agree or disagree. I think you can be as staunchly uh, supportive of the movement as you want to be, but there are going to be just like comments Mm -hmm. to your and retorts to your op-ed piece. Mm -hmm. There are going to be certain situations, certain examples of accusations of sexual assault that may have you questioning the whole thing. And I I don't know why we do that. It's always a all or nothing sort of thing. There are are going to be in life uh, shades of gray. 
and we have to learn how to approach those uh, differently because we're not very good at it right no, now. No, absolutely. In my opinion. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, Wahlberg, we spoke about this situation yes, last week. Yes. It has a new twist it over does. the weekend. And the new twist is number three. So he was getting $1.5 million for reshoots for that to All the Money in the World movie. Co-star Michelle Williams was reportedly paid less than $1,000. So now Wahlberg has agreed to donate his reshoot, reshoot money to the Sexual Misconduct Defense Initiative Time's Up. And the actor said this Saturday he'll make the donation in the name of his co-star, Michelle Williams. And the agency, William Morris Endeavor, represents both actors and says it's actually going to make an additional $500,000 donation, also in Williams' names, which is... Pretty nice. Yeah, Michelle Williams, in fact, said she didn't care if she got paid for the movie mm-hmm. at all after what the producers and the directors had done to get rid of Kevin Spacey's mm-hmm. involvement in the film. She was just very proud to be associated with the project and what they were doing. And now this revelation yeah. that a man who made an estimated $68 million last year was paid $1.5 million for doing the same thing that his female co-star got $1,000 for. Uh, I think this is a good move, whether it's from the heart or from his PR firm, a very good idea by Mark Wahlberg Either to do Either way, this. it's a good move. Of course, those reshoots had to happen because of what they had to do to get rid of Kevin Spacey. Right. Pulled in Christopher Plummer, and so they had to, to do some extra shoots to get everything finished up. And by the way, Christopher Plummer and Michelle Williams both got nominated for Golden Globes for their performances Mark in that Wahlberg film. Mark Wahlberg did not. He did not. And apparently he wasn't really in favor of putting Plummer in no, the movie either. I, I, I was reading that he uh, he said that they had to pay him a, a million dollars because he got he could uh, he got a say in co-star right. approval. Right. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, we're just maybe scratching the surface on uh, the real story of what happened behind the scenes with this. Handmaid's Tale two, by the way, trailer is out, and uh, they, oh my goodness, and season two will debut on April twenty fifth. Oh my god, I'm going to mark Hulu my calendar. In the states, it'll air in Canada on Bravo, and if you haven't seen season one, by the way, you can watch it on Crave TV. When was the last time you got the flu? Shadow Davis has more on why it could be bad this year and, uh, quite frankly, why it is so bad. Good morning. Had a short conversation with Mackling over here this morning about when's the last time you had the flu. And he said it's been a while, like 10 years. Think about 10 years. 10 years since you had the flu? That's fantastic, man. For me, well, it hasn't been 10 years. It's been five. When Lisa and I first started dating, I got it really bad. She thought I was ducking her calls and didn't want to see her anymore, like ever. So she came to my apartment and found me laying there on the couch. What are you doing here? Look away. I'm hideous. I'm hideous. The truth is, I didn't want her to see me like that, but she did. And here we are still together. Thank you, Influenza. Yeah, that's our influenza love story. In all seriousness, we are in the middle of a pretty bad flu season. One of the reasons for it, the A flu strain and B flu strain usually hit a few months apart, but this year it's a tag team. That's right, one distracts the ref while the other hits you in the eye with a foreign object. A report from Manitoba Health late last week said we've had 17 flu-related deaths in Manitoba since September as compared to only one at this time last year, and none the year before that. Officials say this flu season is similar in severity to 2014-2015. At this point in that flu season, there were 16 flu-related deaths. Officials remind us that was the year we didn't have a working flu vaccine. Dr. Richard Rusk 
is the medical officer of health for communicable diseases here in Manitoba. He says we do have one this year. It might not work as well as we want it to, but it does work. I'm assuming he wants you to get the flu shot. He doesn't come right out and say it in that quote, but that's the gist I'm getting there. Uh, The vaccine this year has shown early signs of less than 10% efficiency with the dominant H3N2A strain of virus, but is more effective in protecting against other strains, including H1B. The H3 strain is the one that's out there wreaking havoc right now, but you want to know what? I'd take 10% over zero any day of the week. So if you haven't been vaccinated yet, and by the way, this will cover you more effectively from the H1 virus that's also flying around out there right now, go get your shot. Manitoba Health reports as of last week, only slightly over 20% of Manitobans have gotten the flu shot this year. You may have heard this from your brother-in-law or the guy at 7-Eleven, but the flu shot does not give you the flu. The flu shot does not make you sick. If you don't believe me, talk to your doctor or check out healthline.com or cdc.gov or mayoclinic.org. What to expect from the H3A flu strain? Body aches, fever, headaches, sore throat, cough, exhaustion, minor congestion, and yes, vomiting and diarrhea. It's the full package, my friend. To avoid, wash your hands. You know what? Never mind that. Wear rubber gloves all the time. The washing of the hands? Come on. I've already washed my hands 27 times since 3 this morning. I might still get the flu because we touch things. We're humans and we touch things like doorknobs and keyboards and tabletops and coffee pot handles. Forget it. Just don't touch your eyes or your mouth or go live in a bubble for the next few months. I can't face the bubble boy. See, it's not really a bubble. The biggest thing is if you do get it, stay away from other people. Don't be a hero. Don't go to work. Just stay home until you're better. But apparently, Greg Mackling has some kind of secret. Greg? No secret, Shadow. It's just when I feel just even a little bit of something coming on, I load up on the meds, I go to bed early, I wrap myself up in sweatshirts and sweats and extra pajamas and socks, put my house coat on, and I go to sleep. And I just sleep it out, and I've been very lucky not to uh, have missed even a single day of work in 10 years due to anything resembling the flu. Really? Yeah, I just you been haven't lucky. missed any work. Yeah, I've been very lucky. Very oh, lucky wow, that good way. for you. So, I don't know the last time I had a flu because as we I always associated the flu with stomach issues, but then as we had a conversation on this show uh, with uh, Dr. Rusk who explained the difference between a cold and a flu, he said that the flu is primarily a resp- there's the influenza which is a respiratory thing that comes with all the aches and the pains in the sore throat and it's kind of this full body illness whereas a cold you have the your it's still respiratory and you're affected that way but you can usually just kind of tough through it that's yep. typically what happens so maybe i've had the flu just didn't realize and didn't yeah and didn't know it i don't know uh because there have been some colds that i've come to work with where i was pretty cranky and miserable but usually it just sounds worse and I look gross. And As I'm sitting here with my hood up <laughs> and my head set over top of my hood, I cannot get warm this morning. So uh, like on a day like today, I will get out of here as soon as I can. We've got a meeting this morning. We've got to attend, but then I'm going to go home. I'll load up on flu meds, put myself into bed and by tomorrow morning, I'll be fine. Go put your parka on. It's cozy. That's too warm question of the day by the way when are you going on vacation 
And uh, oh no, let's rephrase that. See, uh, the, the 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 position of the comma is important. When you are going on vacation, do you post to social media? Yes or no? This in light of the conversation about a scam that has a lot of people uh, concerned, including Winnipeg police warning about virtual kidnappings. At least two individuals in Manitoba have been victimized by this. We've been talking about it this morning and we'll be talking about it throughout the day here on 680 CJOB. Weigh in on this discussion if you would. Go to cjob.com. Question of the day is for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. Get two quotes before you call them, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. Mackling McGarry on the Shadow Davis show. And with a new calendar year, that means many of us are seeing our health benefits reset. But often a lot of us don't end up using all of our benefits or are only looking to make an appointment when we're experiencing discomfort. So we thought we'd invite a massage therapist to join us to tell us about the benefits of seeing a massage therapist regularly and also to talk about planning out your benefits and using them. I mean, after all, most of us pay for those benefits. We might as well take advantage. Brett? You're going to make me introduce? He's your old friend. All right. Garth Bedham is here. He's the (laughs) owner of the Massage Therapy College of Manitoba. And Garth, once upon a time, had the wisdom to hire me for a job. (laughs) I'm not sure if he lives to regret that or not. But here we are about almost 30 years later. Well, it's not that long. 26 years later, sitting together in a studio. Time flies, brother. It sure does. You look the same to me today as you did uh, those 30 years ago. Thank goodness for that. And uh, you don't look much different either. (laughs) You look terrible back then. <laughs> That's really what I'm trying to tell Not you. Not really saying very it's much, is it? It's not a compliment it? about how you look now. <laughs> well, the problem is probably I don't get enough massages. I would agree. You right? probably don't. Who so, does? Well, do any of us or have some of us caught on to, I know the, the benefits of massage are something you're going to highlight for us, but have right. more of us caught on to the idea of planning out our benefits and using them uh, in a smart fashion to, to be preventative, to stay healthy right. ahead of time? I would say definitely more people have, but I still think we're just, you know, uh, tipping the iceberg as far as the knowledge people need to have with regards to that area. A lot of people uh, know they have benefits within their extended health care plans related to going to see the dentist, many other healthcare professionals, but they don't always even realize that they have access to massage therapy within the plan. So there's there's kind of three groups of people. There's the people that have no idea they have any massage therapy covered. There's people that have utilized massage therapy, have found great benefit from it, and but fail to utilize it on a regular basis. And then a lot of us therapists will get calls late in the year of saying, you know, I've got a lot of coverage left and I would really love to see you four times next week. <laughs> and then there's a third group, which is my favorite group, which are uh, the patients that come to see us and we do a plan. We talk about treatment and how it can be spread out through the year so that they can see us on a regular basis, not just when they're in pain, but hopefully come to see us in a way that we can help them uh, prevent them from ever getting in pain. So that's my favorite type of person to work with. How often should we be 
coming to see a massage therapist? Boy, there's no uh, simple answer to that, and there's no kind of one-size-fits-all type of plan for everybody. I think the most important thing is is to meet with a qualified massage therapist, talk to them about uh, what you think you're looking for from massage therapy. People come to see us for many different reasons. It could be stress-related. It could be a very specific injury, like a back pain. Some people have occupations that are very repetitive in nature that can create problems within their musculoskeletal system. Um, The more research that comes out on massage therapy, the more we realize uh, the amount of different conditions that are affected by stress and how massage therapy can play a part in helping to reduce that. So there is really no kind of one, uh, you know, come see me every week, come see me every month. I think that really has to be determined by a good history, a good assessment, and listening to the patient and trying to really understand uh, what uh, what you think they really are looking for from you. I think some of us have awoken to the idea that massage therapy can be a good preventive uh, track to take. Yeah. Lots of employers are employing this, right? And, yes. and bringing massage therapy into the workplace, not necessarily forcing you to go to a clinic or go somewhere, but to actually do massage therapy within the workplace. What are the benefits that people are realizing from this, Garth? Well, as I mentioned, the benefits can be very specific to uh, injuries that people might have, but as you mentioned, preventative in nature as well. So the benefits are wide-ranging. One thing I always recommend to people is one of our local associations, the Massage Therapy Association of Manitoba, has a website called massageforlife.ca where people can link on to and they can learn about the many different conditions that massage therapy can uh, can treat and work with. And so I think that's a great uh, first step uh, to check that out. But as far as benefits are concerned, almost every extended healthcare plan has some level of coverage for massage therapy. Uh, A common percentage is uh, somewhere around 80% of coverage for a treatment. And so someone will book a session with a massage therapist. They'll come, they'll receive their treatment. And in many cases, uh, the uh, treatment can be paid for right on site with using e-claims. So Blue Cross has been an insurance coverage uh, that has had an online version of that for many years. TELUS has uh, fairly recently developed uh, an e-claims process where you can, again, go right to the front desk after your treatment, take care of the payment of your session, and uh, book your next session. So it's very easy. It's very affordable, especially with augmented by your insurance. And uh, I think that is is something we're really trying to get out to the public is check with your health care or check with your insurance benefits provider and they will give you the specifics on the percent of the treatment that's covered and the dollar amount. Those are probably the two most uh, important things for people to understand about their plans. I've never been for a massage, uh, but that I ha- is disgusting. I, well, and it, yeah. I, and I kind of wonder if it's because I think that I, you know I've had people try to give me massages before and they found particular knots, and I thought, oh my god, that hurts. <laughs> is it supposed to hurt? No, uh, I mean definitely. Again, there can be circumstances where a session can be uncomfortable. It really depends on what the therapist is is working on and working with uh, for you. But I re- always have seen it as a, a short term discomfort for a long-term gain. Uh, That being said, I always think it's important not to cross that line with whoever you're working with to the point where the person feels like they need to pull away from your work and your touch. So there is what I call a hedonic point that you do not want to cross with with people. Uh, But that being said, most people experience pleasure and and comfort from sessions, not, uh, not a lot of pain at all. 
We just got about 45 seconds left here, Garth, fast. but it does go fast, <laughs> as does uh, typically your 45 minutes on the massage table. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but uh, 45. just talk about, you know, like, hey, maybe am I missing out? <laughs> You're going to the wrong therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, uh, you know, this has been an attractive uh, vocation for a lot of people for yeah. a lot of years. Is it still an attractive way to make a living? Absolutely. It's one of the fastest growing. In fact, there is a best-selling book. I forget the author's name right now, but it's called Life 3.0, and it's talking about uh, the future uh, and the age of artificial intelligence and how our world is changing and as a result of that how occupations are changing and uh, several times in the book he talks about massage therapy as a growing profession and when you think about it the amount of touch that we lose from our lives with the online banking drive-through tellers uh, drive-through food, the amount of opportunities for touch and even human interaction in our world is is reducing. So the opportunity to receive caring therapeutic touch from a, a trained massage therapist, uh, I think the need for that is only going to grow. The name of that author is Max Tegmark. Ah, yes it is. Life 3.0, Being Human in the Age of Artificial Intelligence. And the name of our guest... Well, Greg, like I said, he's your old friend. Yeah, Garth Bedham. He's registered massage therapist, instructor, and uh, proprietor at uh, one of the best uh, schools around, right? Thank you. And we've got some big changes coming up for our school as well. Massagetherapycollege.com is moving to, (laughs) that's our website, but we're moving to a new location. We're going to be, a new name uh, we're going to be launching in the next few weeks related to uh, the regulatory college. It's going to be moving into our uh, province. So we're really excited about that. Well, we'll uh, keep in touch with you on that front. Garth, always great, great to see you, my friend. Thanks, Thanks for, for this. There is a letter that has been written to Winnipeg through the Winnipeg Free Press. I'm going to read you the letter here. And it's titled, Come Back Anytime in the Freep. During my recent visit to Canada in December, I didn't even have time to comment on my impressions of this trip. Vancouver is spectacular, a cosmopolitan city that can be anywhere. Rain? Vancouverites are not sure what rain is. What they have is drizzle. Go to Brazil now and see what real rain is. But I had a great stay there. I visited really breathtaking places. Then I came to Winnipeg. Winnipeg is what comes to mind when we think of Canada. Cold. Just the weather and how cold it is. But the people are so friendly, so polite. Everyone is smiling and willing to help you. You do not even remember the cold. The cold does not bother you so much, unless it is windy, of course. The wind can be so strong, as well as icy, that it almost throws you on the ground. Like the Lonely Island skit on Saturday Night Live, I threw it on the ground. She didn't put that in there. I just threw it in. My stay in Winnipeg was perfect. The museums are beautiful. And people go crazy with Christmas and decorate their homes beautifully for the occasion. All very magical here. Remember I said that Vancouver is a city that can be anywhere? Winnipeg can only be in Canada. I cannot imagine this wonderful city anywhere else in the world. Winnipeg is Canada for real. I was heartbroken to leave. Signed, Danielle Bruzzi from Belo Horizonte, Brazil. Danielle, this is Greg, and that's Brett McGarry. Good morning. Good morning. Brett's just read your letter. What a fantastic tribute to Winnipeg. Uh, Why did you just, I mean, I know you eloquently outlined it in your letter, but, you know, 
what is it that you loved so much about being here? Oh, it was the whole experience, I guess. Um, it, uh, that letter started as a post on Facebook, and I loved. Well, I was there for barely a week. I, I need to say that that I saw Winnipeg through a tourist's eyes. Uh, but I found the, the city so beautiful, so and people are so friendly, so warm. It was really something that caught my attention. You're obviously a seasoned traveler. You've been many places. What is it that brought you to Winnipeg in the first place, Danielle? I went there to visit some friends. Um, I always wanted to to go to Canada. And I have some friends there in Winnipeg. I had a chance to go, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll go. And I was there visiting some friends. Now, did the, what was their reaction when you said you wanted to come basically at Christmas tra- time? Did they warn you not to come at this time of the year, or did they encourage you to come at that time of the year? So, some of them said, yeah, uh, okay, Do because I... That, that's when I could come to uh, my semester had finished and I was in holidays and while I was packing I was worried about it and I said okay guys help me out here and they said oh don't worry nothing you have in Brazil will work for Winnipeg winter so buy something when you arrive here <laughs> sounds like good advice yeah, and uh, when I went to Winnipeg, I got off the plane, I took my luggage from the carousel, I met with my friends, and when I passed through the glass door, I- I'm a small girl, I'm-, I'm skinny and short, and the wind hit me, like that strong and icy wind, And I looked at them and I said, wow, what was that? And they looked at me and said, well, welcome to Winnipeg. (laughs) (laughs) We consider that perhaps the coldest civilized place on the planet is when you walk out the door uh, at the airport. (laughs) So you survived it. Danielle, can we do this again sometime? Of course. Thank you, Danielle. And uh, you're welcome here anytime. Next time, uh, come in summer. It's delightful as well. Yeah, thank you. I'll be back there, definitely. Thank you, Danielle. All right, that is Danielle Bruzzi joining us from Belo Horizonte in Brazil. Once again, she wrote a letter. She says she started as a Facebook post. It ended up uh, on the Winnipeg Free Press. And uh, she once again says, Remember when I said that Vancouver is a city that can be anywhere? Well, Winnipeg can only be in Canada. I cannot imagine this wonderful city anywhere else in the world. Winnipeg is Canada. I was heartbroken to leave. The Easter Seals Million Deals Lottery is giving you a chance to win cars, trip anywhere in the world, and up to $1 million in 50-50 cash. Proceeds support vital programs and services that benefit over 47,000 children, youth, and adults with disabilities in Manitoba. Did you know, Brett, that one in six Manitobans has a disability? I did know that, and that is uh, an alarming number. So to tell us more about this, we are joined by Armando Ver- 
Versace, marketing and lotteries manager for the Society for Manitobans with Disabilities, SMD Foundation, and Easter Seals, Manitoba. Armando, thank you so much for taking the time to tell us about this. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Appreciate the opportunity. So we started with uh, trip anywhere in the world. Uh, that's a that's not a bad not a bad prize, man. I kind of we were talking about going to Newfoundland earlier, so maybe I need to get a ticket. Well, how about somewhere hot right about now would be great. Uh, how about taking your whole family to, to Disney World or, or or somewhere exotic? Yeah, the uh, the uh, possibilities are are, are endless uh, with that that trip, and we're really happy to have that. Of course, having a choice of uh, of cars, uh, an SUV would be great this time of year in this kind of weather. And, if, you know, cash is, is always king. So you have a chance to win up to a million dollars in our 50-50 uh, bonus draw. You know, we uh, have a very loyal listener named Jeff Armando, and he left for Australia last week and kind enough was kind enough to send us a picture from a golf course this morning that he was uh, walking uh, down. And so that idea of getting away and maybe living that millionaire lifestyle sounds very appealing right now but that that's the that's the you know the win for anyone who happens to be victorious and, and have their name selected in the in the lottery we talk about why we should be supporting the lottery in the first place well you know the reality is each of us faces the likelihood of being affected by a disability in our lifetime and a disability can impact our lives you know as we get older um, through an illness or an accident or by caring for an elderly parent grandparent or child in need, and um, Society for Manitobans Disability wants to be there for for you, for the community, for someone you love uh, when that time comes. And uh, we have a whole host of of programs and services that allow individuals to be more independent, to participate in their community, to provide equality, to be more mobile, um, and and that's what it's all about. And um, you know that's you know very important for us to keep those services going. We need fundraisers like the Easter Seals Million Deals Lottery to continue. We need uh, your listeners and the community at large to support our organization. Armando, we talked already about the Jet Setter Draw, the trip anywhere in the world. There's also something called the Cool Wheels Draw, courtesy of Crown Nissan. Give us those details. Yeah, so that's uh, a choice of, of two cars. Uh, one, actually, one's a sports coupe. It's the 2018 Nissan Altima. And also a 2018 Nissan Qashqai, which is a new offering that they're having. It's a SUV. Uh, and again, those are two, just two of the many pro- uh, pro- prizes that we have. We also have our early bird electronics, which is, which is pretty nice uh, for people who want to win TVs or a Fitbit or a remote car starter. I guess that would be great coming with this type of weather as well. So uh, we have a whole host of prizes. But again, uh, we're, we're proud of the fact that all proceeds, 100% of the proceeds, stay in Manitoba to, to support vital programs and services for children, youth, and adults with disabilities. How can people get a ticket, Armando? Uh, tickets are only $50 each, so we, we make them very affordable. We have a, something called our Sweet Deal Pack, which is buy three tickets, and they get three free, so that's six tickets for 150 We also have something new this year, which is called our Super Pack, which is 20 tickets for $200, plus you receive a free five-pack of our 50-50 bonus tickets, which is great for large groups or office pools. You know, an average of $10 a ticket. So that we're really, we're really um, offering as an excellent value. And uh, we just feel like, you know, our, our whole mantra for this is winning, winning just got easier because we're making our tickets more affordable so that more people can get involved and support our organization. EasterSealsMillionDeals.com is where you can buy the tickets online. You can call 204-988-3333. And can you even do this in person? 
You can do this in person at 825 Sherbrooke Street. Uh, and if I could, I just wanted to mention uh, one individual out of the 200,000 Manitobas that have a disability. One individual in particular is, has received recent services. His name is Omar, uh, and he recently lost the use of his leg when he was run over by a military vehicle in Syria. And his family had to uproot and come to, come to Winnipeg because they were under attack. Uh, and through all the challenges and triumphs that he's had, him and his family, he was able to find happiness and freedom playing sledge hockey. You know, a sport he, he never knew about, never knew existed before, was something that he was able to do and feel just as, uh, you know, part of the community as, as, his, as his peers and his friends. And that's just one of the programs that the Society for Manitoba with Disabilities offers here. All right, Armando Versace, Marketing and Lotteries Manager for the Society for Manitobans with Disabilities Foundation and Easter Seals Manitoba. Thank you so much for telling us that story. That's just incredible. Again, EasterSealsMillionDeals.com. Monday morning. Did we hear this one earlier? This is a different version, I believe. Is this the original from New Order? Yes, it is. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. It is Blue Monday. And uh, hanging on the line is our good friend Kelly Keene, award-winning author, personal finance educator. As we heard in the music, as Greg mentioned, today is Blue Monday. The time, well, you know what? Rather than us explain it, let's let our friend Kelly Keene explain it. Award-winning author, personal finance educator. She joins us now live on 680 CJOB. And Kelly Keene, what is Blue Monday? morning, Greg and Brett. Blue Monday is the day today, the middle of the month that is miserably cold, is miserably depressing, is still dark. Um, and the, um, you know, the hangover of the holidays is still kind of wearing over. Uh, party invites are gone. Credit card statements have come in or are coming in. Now we're hearing that the Bank of Canada is likely raising interest rates. My goodness, it's not really the best day. Um, although I think I saw somewhere on the news today that the source really came from a, a, a travel travel promotion many years ago. But, I mean, it is. It's Blue Monday, right? It's cold. It's miserable. So uh, people are feeling the pinch, and I'm happy to be here talking about it with you so we can – figure out what we do to make it a little bit brighter. Well, you mentioned rising interest rates potentially, Kelly. It looks like the United States is going to bump their rate based on the health of the economy there. We're likely to follow suit. But here's the story we're running at globalnews.ca. One in three Canadians say they're not able to cover monthly bills. That's staggering and bothersome enough. But here's the next part of this, Kelly. And Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that you've heard this. Over 30% of Canadians say they're concerned that rising interest rates could push them close to bankruptcy. According to a nationwide survey conducted by Ipsos on behalf of MNP, one of the largest personal insolvency practices in the country. The result is just one of a number of findings signaling that household budgets have become significantly tighter since the Bank of Canada started raising interest rates in July. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, rates, absolutely. Nobody wants to see rates rise. That means if you're sitting um, with a variable mortgage, you have or are going to see that payment go up. If you're trying to get into the housing market, uh, it's going to be a lot tighter. But on the side of taking responsibility for our finances, there was also a new StatsCan survey released, uh, I think, early December, that now for every single dollar we owe... Um, or bring in, excuse me, for every dollar in disposable income that we bring in, we owe, and this number just keeps climbing, a dollar 
71. Ugh. I've been on your show, guys, talking about this before, that in the 1980s, that number was 66 cents. Yeah. We owed less, like significantly less. We were saving money. And you know what? I'm not going to come on and preach on the show and say, hey, do this, do that, and don't spend. I love spending. <laughs> um, but I also know how to trick myself into saving and working really hard at watching where my dollars go. I make my husband do that. We've also talked about my anti-budget before, tracking your financial calories, right? A lot of people are tracking their calories right now. So, I mean, yes, interest rates, we have got addicted to low interest rates, but we can't just blame the Bank of Canada for, um, you know, tough times and things of that sort and rates coming up. I mean, I'm 42. My first mortgage, uh, I bought a condo, couldn't afford it at the time when I was 18. And, you know, my interest rate was eight and three quarters. I thought that was amazing. Uh, So it just goes to show you that, uh, we're in, like, we just got addicted to very, very low rates. So um, I, I hope that it's a, a wake-up call for people to really look deeply at their finances. Um, it's Blue Monday. The Financial Planning Standards Council and Credit Canada also came out with a survey revealing that 53% of Canadians are feeling really blue about their money, about their finances, feeling bleak about it, especially younger generations. And You know, guys, a lot of people are talking to me saying they're reaching out to a personal trainer, they're talking to nutritionists now, they want to get in great health, you know, shape, but when it comes to their financial health, they're not reaching out to someone like a certified financial planner, a nonprofit credit counselor, someone that can help them say, look, like, I mean, gosh, what did you say, Greg, 30% think that it's going to push them towards bankruptcy? Yeah, 48, sorry, but 48% say they're within $200. A month of not being able to meet their financial obligations. And that was the same before Christmas. Like, that number hasn't really changed. So there's a significant... So, I mean, the big takeaway message is, your listeners, half of them, theoretically, are really stressed out. And they don't need to suffer alone. But if they are in that situation, something's got to be done. Don't wait till... You know, you actually do face that job loss. Don't wait till the creditors actually are calling. But you know what, too? If that is your situation, it's not too late. Um, there's, there's lots of folks out there that are going to take the shame, the embarrassment away. And, and let's break, you know, everyone's talking about mental health here right away. Financial health is part of that, too. That's one of the biggest mm-hmm. stressors uh, in marriages, in your life, in your job, is your finances. So um, don't suffer alone. Now, Kelly Keene, uh, award-winning author, personal finance educator, and consumer advocate for the Financial Planning Standards Council. This survey that you referred to that was conducted uh, by Leger for uh, Credit Canada and the Financial Planning Standards Council finds more than more than half of Canadians are already feeling financial financially blue with the younger generations especially struggling and the the question when it comes to your finances what makes you blue this time of year from what i understand it it uh, revealed some standout findings do you have those standout findings in front of you yeah you bet i sure do so one in five canadians we found has a credit card balance larger than their savings account that applies to me Yeah, that kind of goes to what Greg was just saying, too, that, you know, half the Canadians, $200 away from not being able to pay the bills. 
One in four Canadians don't have the funds to escape the winter doldrums with a vacation. Boy, couldn't uh, a lot of uh, people in Winnipeg use that right now. And that that applies to me too. So I'm checking all the boxes here, Kelly. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see where we go with this, Brett. Twenty-one. I'm actually not surprised with this one. Twenty-one percent of Canadians say that they overspent during the holidays. Yep. Do I hear a check mark? No. Nope. Yep. Check. Yeah, check. Okay. Okay. And very lastly, I cannot believe this number is not higher. 6% of Canadians have already broken their financial New Year resolution. That's you... probably 66%. I yeah, think there's a typo right? there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if they even make, you know what? Maybe these are people that just didn't make them at all. So they're like, yeah, I didn't break it. I wasn't even right in that day. <laughs> and we go into denial with this stuff, right? And I think yeah. that we're not trying to guilt anyone here because I yeah. think we can confess amongst the three of us that uh, I know I ticked some of those boxes as as well and Kelly I'm not going to ask you whether you did or not but we, we you know the point is that the more silent you stay on this stuff the less inclined you are to speak about it or at least do a deep dive the more likely you are to be ticking all of these boxes mm-hmm. exactly and the more you ignore your situation Um, the less financially confident you feel. And there's actually a term that researchers use called self-efficacy. It sounds a little fancy, but really what it just means is that by doing little things, that's how you build your financial confidence. It doesn't just, you know, you aren't just confident or not confident with your finances. It's the little things. So what do you do? Uh, Again, I bring this back to your health. If uh, you wanted to get in shape or lose a little weight this year, you got to step on a scale and know where you are. It's the same thing. You've got to do an intake. Where are you? Open those credit card statements when they come in. Yes, it might be incredibly hard for some people. Um, look at what your interest rate is. Look at what you owe. Know where you sit. If, if you've got a mortgage, you're in a variable rate, and your hearing rates are, are increasing, pull that mortgage document out of your drawer, dust it off, and, and first do a little check-in, like where are you financially? Really, really hard first step, I get it. Um, but then the second step is, okay, now where are you going to get some money to change that number? If you are one of those 48%, $200 away from not paying your bills, you've got to change that number because that stress actually, Health Canada has, has confirmed that um, you know, financial stress causes health issues. We've always known this. They've confirmed it. So you've got to get an emergency savings account that's going to take you out of that fight or flight financially, stressing out all the time. So what do you do? You count those financial calories. You spend 30 days. You track every cent that you're spending with your family, and you see where can you trim the fat. I mean, budgets, I think, don't work for a lot of people because they're like diets. You don't want something forced on you. You want to you know, see exactly where your money's going and make a decision yourself. But I can guarantee, I do it with my husband all the time, that you're going to find some wastage. And then get online. Get, get find, There's so many great calculators online. And see what is an extra 50 bucks a month or a week due to paying down your debt to your mortgage. And, guys, even if you don't have a cent to your name, research shows that if you just do this simple act, it'll help you become wealthier. Are you ready? Are you excited? <laughs> Just even opening a TFSA or an RSP, even if you don't have one dollar, sets in motion to your subconscious to go and find money, earn more, cut the money somewhere because you've already taken a step. So even if you don't have a dollar, open up these accounts, 
start to pay attention to your money, and you'll find that um, it starts to appreciate as you appreciate it as well. Kelly Keen, we appreciate you, but we got to go. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, you're going to be in town next week, so we'll see I, you in studio. I am indeed. I All am right. indeed. Love to see you both in person soon. All right, Kelly Keen, thank you so much. Award-winning author, personal finance educator, and consumer advocate for the Financial Planning Standards Council. Ooh, I like the music. Eiffel 65. Gary, he's Greg Mackling. Thanks to Shannon Lee Vidal and Behind the Glass Jerry. And thank you for listening to The Shadow Davis Show on 680 CJOB. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.